Hello, 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 hello. How is everybody doing today, tonight, this afternoon? I trust everyone is doing well. It is a great day. It has been a very interesting week in politics, let me say. This is the reason I love politics. It never gets old. It never gets old. And that's why I love it. Just so much useful information. Um... You know, as we start this new Biden administration, we're learning so much, you know, you know, but with all things, before you start something new, you have to take care of some um, holdover business, which we did this week, you know, with the impeachment. Um, and as we get a steady hold over the coronavirus, um, you know, when it comes to the coronavirus, it still just boggles my mind. You know, I was talking to my mom about going down to Georgia. And as we were talking, you know, it just came to the realization that it might not be a safe time to even travel, to even go down to uh, to Georgia, you know, my parents being a little older. And it made me think, is, you know, Joe Biden, he came in and he said he could do a better job with the virus. He said that if we trusted him, he could do a better job with the virus. And from what I'm seeing, he's doing a very muddled job with the virus. You know, it's 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 kind of like it's easy to criticize, but it's hard when you actually have to do the job. And I think that's what he's realizing. And we're seeing it on schools. You know, he recently placed a big order on the vaccine, but still, I mean is it getting any better or have we been just so consumed with impeachment that we haven't been looking, you know, his take on the CDC is what I'm also seeing what Trump did. So it's like, are you any different? You know, I'm coming to realize I'm coming to the realization with this virus that it might just be, have be something we have to live with. You know, no one likes coronavirus, and, and, and what makes it so bad is that the last guy muddled it so bad, withheld information, did not tell us the truth, did not give us the proper protocol, the right information to, you know, take care of ourselves with the coronavirus, that I think Joe Biden is going to have a rough time on anything. But it still, you know, puts a nasty taste in my mouth because I, st I, I feel like he's lost. It's, it's, you know, and you can just see what they've said about schools, how, you know, he said in his first hundred days, he wants schools to be open. And then they kind of slow. well, you know, if one, you know, if, if, if schools open one day, that's a technical, no, no, you said in your first a hundred days, you would get schools open. To me, that is Monday through Friday. That is not one day. Now. Don't get me wrong. I know he's trying, but I think he, he, he did he overpromise? Did he say Trump's doing such a lousy job on the coronavirus? I can do better. I can do better. Just give me the throne. I could do better. He's done the executive orders on the executive, the uh, coronavirus. He's done everything. You know, the left would say he's done right, but. At the end of the day, I don't see it yet. And and people would say, well, Mark, he's just, yeah, he, he's just got in there. But, you know, the head of the CDC says, you know, schools can reopen without teachers being vaccinated. And the White House quickly walks it back. And it makes me wonder, and I'm seeing this week, is he beholden to the teachers union? Don't get me wrong. We want teachers to be safe. They have the toughest job known to man. And nobody cares about teachers more than I do. But at the end of the day, we have to get kids back at school. We're reading stories about kids killing themselves because the isolation of the coronavirus is just too much. And we're not handling that. You know, maybe the last administration, Betsy DeVos, would have done something on mental health for school children. 
maybe we would better be in a better place. But she was such, and I'm going to say it, she was such a lousy Secretary of Education that she only cared about herself. She only cared about charter schools. She didn't care about the kids. And that's what you get when you get, you know, someone who gives you money and wants a, a, a cabinet job. You know, if I gave Joe Biden $100 million, of course, I'd want to be Secretary of Commerce. <laughs> you know, a position that no one's watching. But I, I feel when it comes to the coronavirus, I'm scared. You know, he he has to do a better job on getting people to realize the vaccine's not scary. And every day I'm reading stories about people who get the vaccine and within a few minutes they're dead. And then there's this quick in the article where, well, there's no connect that the vaccine killed them. How do we know? All we're seeing is got the vaccine and then dropped dead. Ladies and gentlemen, vaccines take three to four, if not five to six years to do. We did a vaccine in six months. You cannot tell me that it's safe. You cannot tell me that you know everything that's in the vaccine. Joe Biden needs to need to have a commission. You need to have something where you reestablish and tell and ensure up, you know, the safety of the vaccine. Because I'll be honest, right now I don't feel safe. I would not put that in my kid's arm, and I would not put it in mine. Why do I want to be, you know, why do I want to be a test dummy for something that might kill me? You know, a, a, a guy told me that yesterday, he said, I give it a few years. We're going to be at home in the middle of the night, and we're going to be watching these commercials that come on that say, if you, you know, got the COVID vaccine, you might be entitled. It's going to be a class action lawsuit. And the reason is they rushed it. Six months to do a vaccine at record speed? You can't tell me you feel safe with putting that in your arm. And, and the reason I come on here and I talk about COVID is because I want to see my parents. I want to go home. But at the same time, I don't want to go home and I kill them. Because, you know, with my job, I'm out and about. And my parents are older folks, and I don't want to go down there and bring them something that I don't know what I have. It's easy to criticize, but it's hard to do the job. It's easy to campaign and promise everything under the fucking sun, but it's hard to deliver. And I feel like Joe Biden, you know, right now what we're doing, we're slowly going to take our eyes off Trump. We're slowly going to take our eyes off the impeachment, and we're going to focus on this administration. Joe Biden has a short window to get things done. He needs to shore up the virus. He needs to get the schools back open. Kids need to be in school. We are setting up a lost generation, and if we do not fix it, if we do not tackle it, if we do not realize that this is the time that we get it right, that this is the time that we sit down and re-educate people on the coronavirus, we re-educate people on opening schools. Joe Biden has to look at the teachers union and he has to stand up. You know, I, I sat there and I buckled my mind. Democrats are so beholden to these unions. And don't get me wrong, I'm a union guy. But sometimes being a leader, sometimes being a leader, you have to push back. You have to lead and not be led. And right now he is letting the teachers union lead him on reopening schools. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. If you want to keep your kids home, keep them home. But you need a waiver. You need a waiver. Kids need to be in school and they need to be masked. 
We can put a, a, a camera in the classroom. And kids that are home need to be there. They need to be watching. And if they're not watching and, and they start to fall behind, we hold the parents accountable. You know, say what you want about Reagan. But when the air traffic controller union went on strike, he fired them all. He fired them all. Now, you can't, you can't do that with teachers, but you need to take a stand. It might not be popular. It might cause you to be a one-term president, but guess what? Stand up, hold a press conference, and say, this is what we're going to do. When you're a leader, when you sit in the big office and have the big chair, you have to make the decisions that nobody wants you nobody wants you to make nobody wants to hear you need to look at the teachers and say it is time that we return to school right now you know there's a billion dollars of unspent money right now my administration is promising 50 million dollars 50 million dollars or you take that billion that's just sitting there and you use it for school you give it to you know schools you give it to schools and you Put a caveat in there. You say, you have to use this money. You have to use this money to get the school back open, to make it safe for kids, janitors. You know, what if we did something where we had school Monday through Thursday and Friday we cleaned? I, I know that I've heard that one county does that. They have school Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and on Wednesday, they have a company come in, and the company's main job is just to clean. These are the things that Joe Biden has to do. I know it's hard. I know as a Democrat, you need the unions. Living in Georgia, I saw how powerful the teachers' union was. Sonny Perdue use them to help him get reelected because he knew. But here is the time to be a leader. Parents can't go to work. Kids are killing themselves. You have to put the unions aside and say right now, this is for the kids. This is for the parents. We, as a country, have to slowly get back on track. Because if not, when? When do we get back on track? When do we start to rebuild? We're living in a country that I don't recognize anymore. COVID is the new norm, and we have to start realizing that. Because we had a last president who didn't take it seriously. And he thought he could use it to his advantage. And it hurt him more than anything. But now is the time. This is the administration that needs to look COVID in the eye and say, we will get it done. We will get it done. Joe Biden, lead. Lead. That's all I'm asking. Lead. Stand up to the unions. Be on the side of the parents. Be on the side of the students. Use the billion you have that's just sitting there and put it towards schools. Please. By God, man, if you can do that. This is the time. This is the time. Don't make people regret putting you in office. You wanted the big job. You wanted the big chair. Show them why you are there.
show them. Lead. Don't be led. Unions will fall in line or they won't. But guess what? Don't you want to go out fighting? Please. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest story this week would have to be the impeachment story. The impeachment story. There has never been a time in our country where a president hasn't been been impeached twice. I mean, we look over it before Donald Trump. There were only two people who were impeached. You know, in, in history, the first thing people think when you think of impeachment, people think of Richard Nixon. But Richard Nixon resigned before it come to that. And there's a lot of suggestion to say that if Fox News had been around, Richard Nixon probably could have withstand, could have withstood the, the onslaught that came his way. But impeachment. Donald Trump, you know, caused a group of people, as they say, to storm the Capitol. He 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 basically calls an insurrection. He did a coup. And the one thing I kept buggling my mind after the election, why does he not want to give up power? You know. To me, it just boggled my mind. Why does he not want to step aside? You know, people would say George Bush will do it. No. People are going to say Obama will do it. No. Why did he not want to step aside? That is the question. And when Republicans say he did not, it's free speech. We can't use his words against him. And if we do... We're wrong for that because of Maxine Waters and, you know, the vice president, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Maxine Waters. They've all said things that if we're going to start this going down this path, which I agree is a dangerous one. If we're going to start going down this path where we're going to start holding people's words against them, it's a path that we as a country cannot return from. Because if we were to convict Donald Trump for what he said, are we going to convict everyone else that comes after him for what they say? Or all the politicians that said stuff over the summer? The biggest thing I want people to look at is, look what he said after the election. Look what he said before the election. If you look what he said before the election, he kept saying, if I don't win, this election will be rigged. Mail-in ballot is the most corrupt thing on earth. He was planting seeds in our minds to let us know that if he did not win, that was the only outcome. The only outcome of this election was he needed to win. And if he didn't win, it had to be rigged. It was no way Donald J. Trump could not win the election. He knew there was a possibility he might lose. And I even said the one question that would just, it made me uncomfortable when we asked the President of the United States, would you accept the results of an election? My question is, yes. Are we going to say that to Joe Biden? And I wondered why people kept saying it, because I felt like it was a biased question. And then the election day came. And, you know, he was quick to want to say he won and stop the count. Why? Why disenfranchise so many people? Because you're leading and you just want to cut it off? You, you know, I want to put it in a sports analogy. That's like the Kansas City Chiefs saying, if we do not win the Super Bowl, the game is rigged. There is no outcome where we don't win. And once we do that, that's what we did with Donald Trump. The question I also want you to ask yourself is, out of all the places, Out of all the places 
He could have had this rally. Florida, Seattle, Atlanta, you know, Houston, New York. He chose Washington, D.C. on the day that he knew they would be counting and certifying the election. So the question I want you to ask yourself, why did he choose that day? Why, why did he choose that time? He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And if we act like he did not, we're not only lying to ourselves, we're lying to everybody else around us. He knew what he was doing. Do I feel like he needed to be impeached? I feel like, yes. And I only say that because I look at his actions before the election, and I look at his actions after the election. He was setting people up. He was rallying them up. Stop the steal. Do you know there was an organization from people who created Stop the Steal before the election? And they were baiting these people. They were baiting these people. They were telling them, you know, they're going to steal this thing from Donald Trump. They're going to steal this thing from you. Instead of just being honest, they had the need to lie to them. Why? Why, why lie? Why not just tell the truth? There was no stop the steal. The election wasn't stolen. But Donald Trump played the game. He knew people looked to him as this ever-growing big figure. And he played on their emotions. He needed to be impeached. Because it wasn't for the six... You know, I don't look at that language. I look at everything preceding that. You know, he didn't set the he didn't set the foul house on fire, but he told the arsonists where to go and where to set the match. He told the arsonists which house he wanted to set on fire. Donald Trump is not a dumb man. He plays, he says words, and he plays on people's minds because he knows what words he can say and what he can't say to save his ass. I think if I was in Congress, or I was in the Senate, and I was prosecuting this case, I would have stood up and I would have said, Ladies and gentlemen, we stand here today for an impeachment. We stand here today to convict a former president of the United States. Impeachment is something that, as a country, we should never treat lightly. When we call an impeachment, we need to call it because the bar has been jumped over so high, there is no way we can go back from it. January 6th, we cross that bar. We had an individual, a president, a leader, tell his people a lie. You know, they say if you tell a lie, it takes a while for that lie to be undone. They say you can go around the world and hear that lie. That's true. That is true. You can go to California. You can go to Key West. You can go to Fargo, Alaska. And you can hear that lie. 
The great lie that our leader, Donald J. Trump, former president of the United States, told us. The election was rigged. It was stolen. Stop the steal, he told his people. Now, he said a lot of clever words. You know, we're going to go marching, be safe. We're going to cheer on. But the question I want to pose to you is, maybe it's two-part, but the question I want to pose to you is, why did he choose Washington, D.C. to hold a rally? Why did he choose that time? I mean, he's the president of the United States. He can have a, a, a MAGA rally anywhere. But why D.C.? Why the 6th? Do you know why? Do you know why he chose Washington, D.C.? And the 6th? He chose the location, the date, and the time because he knew what he wanted to do. He lit a match this summer when he told people that if he does not win, the election is rigged. And when he did not win, and he exhausted every legal avenue he had, and he had nothing left, the only card left he had to play was to set the house on fire. And that is exactly what we he did. The question I pose to you today is, if we don't hold him accountable, if we don't hold this president, Donald J. Trump, accountable for what he did January 6th, who will we hold accountable? Think about it. A president last four weeks in office, do we just call a mulligan? Do we just turn a blind eye because we say it does not matter? If you do a crime, you do not get a waiver. If you do a crime, you have to pay the time. These are the things I pose to you and I want you to ask yourself. Why did he choose the six and why did he choose DC? We know. We know why he did it. He chose these places, this location, because he wanted anarchy. And the funny Thing is, when it happened, he turned his back on us. His daughter said, you're patriots. He loved what he saw. This president has blood on his hands. And if we do not hold him accountable, who will we hold accountable. The bar is high for a reason. And Donald J. Trump jump that bar. You know, sometimes you know, sometimes we are asked to take hard votes. We're, hard, we're, we're asked to, to take and make hard decisions. And when we take those votes and we make those decisions, we know that they may affect us. But, but we take them because the people who asked us to sent us here for that reason, to take the tough votes, to make the hard decisions. I'm asking you tonight to listen to the evidence that we we're going to lay out to take and make the hard decision, the hard vote, and convict and remove Donald J. Trump. That's what I would have done. 
You know, you, it, it's simple. It's simple. But when it was all said and done, only seven Republicans stood up, fuck their party, and said, what he did was wrong. He should be held accountable. Donald Trump basically had a poker in his hands and he was stirring that fire, just getting it nice and hot. And it got too hot. And he turned his back. And he laughed. He put his vice president at risk and didn't care. He put us at risk and didn't care. This man did not want to give a power for some reason. That's the question we have. Why did he not want to walk away? I remember people said, George Bush is going to call martial law. I said, no. Obama's going to call martial law. I said, no. Donald Trump and I said, I, I have a feeling. The man did not want to step down. That's what scares me. You know, I heard people say, you know, Donald Trump was just a flawed individual. He had the right message, but he was a flawed individual. They said, what I'm scared of is the person that has that message, but isn't flawed. And it makes you think. Donald Trump basically showed us a roadmap. He showed us a roadmap. And if we take it, we can be president for life. That's what he wants. And, and I know people will push back and say, what do you mean, Mark? What are you talking about? You know, when China made their president for life, Donald Trump came out to give a speech and he said, I like that. And in his head, he probably was thinking, how can I be president for life? You know, I'm reading stories of people who, who did the break-in and, you know, they're they're pissed. They're pissed. They're saying, I'm going to jail, and Donald Trump's going out of Florida to play golf. His, his, arch, his arch's supporters, the people that were willing to go to war, to go to bat, to set a building on fire, to kill for him, he did not even bail them out. You know, during the election in 2016, he said, if you get in a fight, I'll bail you out. Where were the pardons? Where was the bail? You broke into a building based off a lie. And now it's going to cost you five to ten years. That you won't get back. And while you're sitting in jail, Donald Trump will be sitting in Florida. Think about that. While you're sitting in jail, Donald Trump will be sitting in Florida, planning his return to public life. It's not over. Donald Trump's going to run again. He's setting himself up. That's what he's doing. Now, to be fair, if I was arguing the defense's argument, it would go something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. The House managers have made, they've made an interesting case. A lot of videos, a lot of flash, a lot of, you know, he he did this, he did that. He said this, he said that. My client has a First Amendment right to talk. His supporters came to Washington, D.C. because they wanted to see him. He called a rally. They were up just as upset as he was. Now, did my client tell them to go to the Capitol and attack? No. He said, we are going to go there peacefully and cheer on our senators, our congressmen. He said, peacefully. He said, we, the people... And the House have been wanting to get this president since the day he stepped on the scene. What did he do? What did he say? 
Did he not say the truth? Did he lie? Or was what he was saying was hitting home to so many people that they just could not stand it? You see, when people talk to you and listen, something that the House Democrats have failed to do, when people talk to you, you listen. In the last four years, they listened. So when he told him to come to D.C. to hear him one last time, one last time, they came. They took off work. They wanted to listen. Right now, if we convict this president for what he says, we're setting a dangerous precedent that cannot be reversed, cannot be undone, and it will allow us to hold other public officials accountable. It's political rhetoric. It's what you say to get your supporters fired up. Now, when you get them fired up, you don't get them fired up to a point that they're going to burn things down, but you get them fired up because you know you are trying to make your point. So, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump was only trying to make his point. And his supporters were trying to make theirs. But never once did he say, go to the Capitol, break in, set it ablaze, set it on fire, and make a mess. The only thing he wanted was a peaceful protest. A peaceful protest. And when it was said and done, to go home peacefully. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. So the question is, did he get it? That's what I would have said if I was defending Donald Trump. It's an easy case on both ends, you could say. Maybe easier for the house managers. But, you know, they, they have been going after Donald Trump from day one. And so, and, and, and so, he was upset. And what he did was not right, but what he did, you could say he, he felt like he had no, no choice. Doesn't make it right. But if you paint a case where you say that the people that came to D.C. came for you, but what they did was at their own Volition, not yours. You should be held accountable. And I heard this from somebody. You should not be held accountable for someone's actions. People have to stand up and take sole responsibility for themselves. You know, the one thing if you're Donald Trump you should be worried about is everyone is saying they did it for you. Now, if I'm a Democrat, and, you know, I'm Joe Biden, and I'm possibly running for re-election, I'm going to use use what people are saying in my ad. You know, ad's already written itself. I attacked the Capitol on the request of Donald Trump. Donald Trump told me to do it. You know? I think when it's all said and done, the biggest regret that Republicans will have is that they didn't go all in to get rid of him. You know, people that acquitted him, that condoned what he did, Ted Cruz, Todd, uh, Tom Scott, um, Tom Scott, Tom Cotton, you know, Mark, Marco Rubio, people that are running will have to answer for what they did. And they'll have to answer for Donald Trump. But the question is, if they run and Donald Trump wins, how can you attack him? You've condoned everything he did the last four years. So it'll make you look a hypocrite if you try to take a different position. Your best bet is to sit back and wait to see if he does run.
win. That's what you, your best bet is. Because if he does decide to run, don't even bother. Don't even bother. You know, everyone's so anxious about Donald Trump supporters. My philosophy on Donald Trump supporters are, do I, I, do I think he got 74 million on election? Yes. But I think if you parse it down now, I don't think it's 74 million people there. I think you might have maybe 30 million, if that, 34. Million, that's a rough estimate. I think the $74 million, 74 million people was a good chunk was they didn't want the leftist agenda, but they didn't want Joe Biden. And a good chunk wanted Donald Trump. So I think if you go through and you parse the numbers, you will see that. You will see that. You know. So I don't think, you know, I, I'm looking and I'm hearing Republicans are saying that Donald Trump is the face of the party and he needs us to help rebuild. Why? He's a one-term president. He lost by 7 million votes. But you want him to help you rebuild something that he broke and is very unpopular? The Republican Party needs to find a new face. Kevin McCarthy, he is the leader. Mitch McConnell, he is the leader. Let them lead and build the Republican Party, not Donald Trump. Please, whatever you do, whatever you do. And the reason I say that is because you could see it right now. He's splitting the party. The one thing Donald Trump has done since he stepped on the scene is he split the party. So you have to ask yourself ask yourself that question. Why would you want to keep having a person split the party? There has to be a different way. There has to be a better path. You know, half of me says he runs again in 2024. And I wanted to say that after the acquittal, I said Donald Trump will be back in 2024. And he will be the Republican nominee. The other half tells me, no, that the, the Republican nominee is somebody we don't know yet. Somebody that is going to come out of somewhere, and he's going to be Donald Trump-ist without Donald Trump. But he's not going to have all the <clears throat> craziness of Donald Trump, and that's what's going to make him appealing. Republican Party has to find its way. Because if not, you know, they're talking about starting a different fraction. And I'm thinking, if the Republican Party splits off, you've just reelected Joe Biden. You've just elected a Kamala Harris if Joe Biden doesn't run. The Republican Party has to figure out what's going on. And they have to figure out fast. Because if not, this will be 92 all over again. You know, being a Republican is being conservative, small government. These things are appealing to everybody. But you have to get back to that. You have to get to that message and you have to preach it. You cannot go back in the past and say we want a man that... Lost by 7 million votes. Is a one-term president. And claim he is the answer. To get you back to the promised land. No. No. He is not. You need to look new. The one thing with both political parties is. They keep looking in the past. The leaders they have now are in their late 70s. Early 80s. Every one of them needs to step aside because they can't relate to me. They can't relate to you. Donald Trump was a billionaire. And my question is, how can he relate to a man that has sat on his couch, cried himself to sleep because he didn't know how he was going to pay his bills and feed his family? Donald Trump can't relate to me. Donald Trump can't relate to you. But he let people think he could.
the face of the Republican Party has to be somebody that people can trust. And as bad as Nikki Haley, who came out with a message to try to distance herself from Donald Trump, wants to be the 2024 nominee, I hate to tell her, no, she will not be. You know, and I've been thinking about this. If Republicans are smart, they will put up Mitt Romney. Nominate Mitt Romney and you'll win the White House. And you might say, why? Because Mitt Romney can say, everything I said, I was right. Obama told you I was. I've stood up to my party. If you elect me, I'm a guy that will stand up to my party and I will lead. That's what you need. You need to coalesce around a moderate. And I think Mitt Romney is the ideal, the perfect choice for the job. I think if you don't, you'll get killed in 2024. You know, the biggest thing is the party's looking at Donald Trump. What happens if Donald Trump doesn't, does not, does not win you back the House? What if he causes you seats? What then? I think if you go that route, Donald Trump, Kevin McCartney, McCarthy, and Lizzie Graham have more to lose than they realize. So I, I need my Republican brothers to think and think clearly. Because if you're putting all your stock on Donald Trump, saying Donald Trump is the face, still the face of the Republican Party, you know, I would, if I'm a Republican, I would be shaking my head and question how. The man lost by 7 million votes. He's a one term president. That's like the Democrats in the 80s saying Jimmy Carter still has control of the party. No, he lost. We're moving on. We want to win. You know, that's the biggest thing that some politicians do not realize. They keep making the same mistakes. They keep running the last campaign and not focusing on this campaign. Donald Trump was running a 2016 campaign in 2020. Joe Biden was running a 2020 campaign. So I would I would caution everybody who's thinking about running in 2024, you need to run a 2024 campaign. And don't run a 2020 campaign. That means no Donald Trump. That's what I feel the Republican Party needs to do. They have the path. Historically, it's been proven that the the party out of power wins back the House, and by some luck, possibly, wins the Senate. But if they go down the path that they're thinking, this is going to be 04 all over again, or I think it was 02 all over again, and Democrats will keep both chambers, and Joe Biden will be setting himself up for an easy re-election campaign. You know, some of his policies, if, if we're going to shift a little bit, some of his policies you do have to question. I don't know if I talked about this last podcast, but the, the trans, you know, and I, and I feel that's the biggest thing that's going to get Joe Biden. I feel like he wants to do every freaking wish list that the Democrats have ever wanted. Trans rights, which which is nothing wrong with that. But that's not where America is. And if you see the coverage that's coming out against it, it's I, I'm scratching my head to say, why would you pass a bill that allows, you know, trans, you know, men to participate in women's sports? That just doesn't seem right. I'm a man. It gives men an unfair advantage and it hurts women and hurts Title IX. If you are not a woman, do not compete in men and women's sports. You know, you could almost make the factor if you're trans, maybe you should play sports. You know, just to me, it shows that you couldn't win in the field you were in. 
So you switched up to win and got an unfair advantage. I, I look at what Joe Biden's doing, and, and I question. These are the things we, we have to question is, is he setting himself up for a 2024 campaign? Or is he laying it all on the table now saying, everything the Democrats have ever wanted, we're going to get done now. We're going to get done now. You know, the biggest thing he's getting hit now on is the Keystone Pipeline. And like I said, the Keystone Pipeline was temporary jobs. But people are slowly using that as a rallying cry to say Joe Biden is killing jobs. Not realizing that the jobs that have got killed were all temporary. And, and it makes me think when Joe, when Donald Trump came in, and remember with that 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 I think it was some warehouse in Indiana he saved, and it turned out he didn't save those jobs. We don't talk about that. We just were, you know, wild where Donald Trump came in and he he said a couple words and he poked his chest out, and you know this this warehouse backed off, and later recanted and didn't back off. You know, you know, as a Democrat, you have to realize that not all your policies middle America likes. That's why you didn't, you know, win the House by a larger margin. That's why you didn't win the Senate back, you know, on election night and it took a runoff to get it. Don't get me wrong. I like I like I like Joe Biden, but I fear that he's setting himself up for a very hard midterm. He's setting himself up or his people up for something that they're going to have trouble defending when they run for re-election. You know, the biggest thing I talk to my friends about is that fifteen dollar minimum wage, and I said. Hey, Boggles my mind where you have people using talking points that businesses would. There are places out there that do have $15 minimum wage. Do I feel like the minimum wage should be $15? No, I do not. But for anybody to tell somebody, we do not want you to have a $15 minimum wage where you make over $100,000 a year, Senator, Lieutenant Governor of Texas. To me, it just makes you look callous. It makes you look unforgiven. How can you tell somebody who's struggling, barely getting by, that we don't think you should get $15 minimum wage? I don't think the minimum wage should be $15. But I also don't think you should sit there in poverty and work your fingers to the freaking bone to give yourself a comfortable life. The people that attack the Capitol, some of them were in dire straits. And when you're in dire straits, you do things, you hear things, you come, you you become something you normally would because someone says, if you follow me, if you listen to me, I'm going to show you the way. And that's what Donald Trump did. He showed them the way. It just makes people look callous when people say, I don't want to give you uh, a $15 minimum wage. I think the minimum wage should be 10 It should be $10. That's what I think. But I also think it should be a livable wage. We shouldn't want people to live in poverty. We shouldn't say we're not going to give you $15 you know, an hour, but then call it and say we're not also going to help you know, help you feed yourself, support yourself. We can't have it both ways. We need to be setting people up for training so they don't depend on the minimum wage. We give them a trade. We teach them to fish so they can feed their family. We do those things. And in America, we are not. We spend so much time criticizing, pointing, looking our noses down at people, saying, you do not deserve that. As we sit in our mansion driving our Lexuses, eating our gourmet meals, when these people can't even afford to put food on the table, 
have to work three jobs, pray that their kid does not get sick and they have to take time off of work because they can't afford it. This is the America that we live in right now. But the America that big business and the Republicans would have you to think, we don't need it. We don't need a livable wage. These people can just suffer because that's what they need to do. And we see those stupid memes of fast food workers. You're just using big businesses' talking points. And that's what they want. They want you to look down on the little man. But guess what? One day you might be there and someone might look their nose down at you. We need to bring people up in this country, not push them down. People right now are hurting, and with COVID, they're hurting worse. Now, do I think the $15 wage should be in that COVID relief bill? No, it shouldn't. But I saw why they did it. It's a Democrat giveaway in that bill. You know, it should be tailored to the people that need it. It should be a COVID, true COVID relief bill, up and down. This is what people need. This is the cutoff. You know, I was talking to a guy and I said, if they really want to do it right, the Labor Department would go to people who've been laid off and do the research to make sure those people got the checks and they got a little bit more because you wouldn't give it to everybody because people haven't lost their jobs. You just give it to the people that lost their jobs in unemployment. We have to fix the issues in this country. We have to let stop letting big business tear us apart. Because that's what they're doing. And they're having us eat our own. Please, let's not eat our own. Lift up your fellow man and let him know that he is not alone anymore. Let him know that she, he is not alone anymore. You know, the question I would ask, $15 minimum wage, is it really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? Some people would say, yes, it is. And I would say, why? Because it puts them on a playing field like you. So they flip burgers. Maybe it would make things more competitive in this country if we did a 15 dollars minimum wage. Or maybe we would still have the jobs sit empty because some people just do not want to work. Did you ever think of that? No. You thought of the talking points that people did not need it. But they do. $15 minimum wage. I, I, I think a $10 minimum wage would be ideal, would be perfect. It's not a lot, but it's something. It's something. And, you know, the Texas governor said, you know, oh, and here we're not going to do a $15 minimum wage. And, you know, a guy online said, oh, yeah, Texas, oh, he's going to have to do it. It's federally mandated. You know, if it's federally mandated, you got to do a $15 minimum wage. What about we yeah, weed? Marijuana, guess what? It's a state issue. It's it's still legal in the federal government. So that's why the federal government hasn't stepped in, and some states do it and some states don't. But give it time, they will all eventually do it. They will. Before we go, I, I just want to say this this Cuomo thing. I wanted to go into it tonight, but I didn't. Um, next podcast, I will talk about it. To me, it's a big story. I to me, I don't know why he felt the need to lie. I don't, you know, he could have just been honest with the numbers. It shows. Hit to me, he was being sneaky. I think if he would have just came out and said, "This is the numbers." You know, does he look bad? He looks bad. But I think he looks bad now, even worse. And I, I feel that it, it's kind of painful because I do listen to his brother on the radio. 
and watch him sometimes where now his brother doesn't even want to you know talk about it you know you can't be all high and mighty as a reporter and then when it hits home you want to avoid it you have to be you have to talk about everything good or bad the best case scenario would be him calling his brother and saying hey i got to talk about this but we'll go into a uh, next episode ladies and gentlemen it has been a pleasure thank you for listening if you like, please share, please subscribe. We're trying to get better. We're trying to grow. Please grow with me. Ladies and gentlemen, please, whatever you do, have a good night. Be safe. And as the CDC says, wear a mask, too, if you have to.